Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Tarek, heads or tails? I'm always going to go with tails. Shake right, your tail you feathers. Fuck it. John, heads or tails? <laughs> I will pick heads because there that's the right answer. All right. Sound effects. This is quite a ref here. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's actually heads. Let's yeah. <laughs> All right. We got a Thursday night banger coming up. We got the Bengals and we got the Dolphins. Can't wait for that one, actually. But in the spirit of Dynasty, John, who would you rather have Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins. Jalen Waddle, for sure. Jalen Waddle's lighting the world on fire. Uh, he's got all kinds of receiving guards. I think he's got second most receiving yards in the NFL right now. Uh, you know, I like T. Higgins, but I- I'm a little worried about those two concussions, uh, what I presume are concussions. So uh, Jalen Waddle's looking great. He's got he's got the quarterback and uh, go Dolphins. All right. Tarek, I'm looking at your ranks. You have the same. So let's switch it up. T. Higgins or Tyreek Hill? Yeah, I will definitely take T. Higgins over Tyreek Hill. Um, I was kind of preparing myself to make the argument for T. Higgins over Jalen Waddell. Uh, I do think that T. Higgins is a really safe, you know, top eight dynasty receiver. Um, so I think you could make the argument kind of just based on um, the offense that Higgins is in is, is you know, comparably good to the offense that Waddle was in. Higgins arguably has a better like college profile than Waddle. Uh, I do have Waddle ranked higher, but if we're comparing Higgins versus Tyreek Hill, definitely going to go Higgins. I mean, like what John said, I mean, heard about like those back to back head injuries. Uh, T Higgins did come back in the game yesterday after that brutal hit. Um, so you know, I guess that's the new theme in the NFL is like <laughs> people get knocked out and then they can just keep playing. But as long as they um, do a T Higgins, assault, right? he's he's still pulling down like a, a, a good amount of volume in that offense. We know it's a high volume offense. I think Tyreek Hill is great. Um, it's just, you know, when you get five or six years of age difference, like we always say, air toward the youth. Uh, so uh, follow up uh, receiving yards. Jalen Waddle third, 171 so far. Tyreek Hill, number one, 190. Second, so, Justin Jefferson. That must be through two games. I'm uh, pretty sure Waddle has more than 171 yards. But John, do you have Tyreek above T with your current concerns of the uh, concussions? Or are you with Tarek on that? Yeah, I would rather have Tyreek Hill than T Higgins right now, just because they're just lighting the world on fire. And you think the Dolphins are real? All right. That's fair. I do, and, okay, okay, I'm sorry. You, you can cut out all the other crap. Diggs is number one with 344 yards. Waddle's number two with 342. Tyreek is number three with 317. Give me Waddle and Tyreek ahead of T. Higgins and Dynasty. Well, well, shit. You heard it here first. Some live <laughs> research happening. Some live Googling right from John. <laughs> Love it. Mitch, what about you, man? Of these yeah. three receivers, what do you who think? are you taking? Oh, god damn it. I I was I'm supposed to ask the questions of the coin toss, man. <laughs> I didn't prepare. Uh I I think I'm going Waddle T and Tyreek. But I mean, dude, I don't know. It's it's really tough. The concussions do concern me, but uh but that yeah, that's where I'm at right now. 
T. Higgins was like on his way to 200 yards yesterday before that head injury. It sucks. He was dominating in the first half. Some Somehow there are four wide receivers in the NFL who are averaging more than 100 receiving yards per game so far. That, that seems that's incredible to me. Two of them are on the same team. That's crazy. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, back again, Tarek Angry T. Benchuya. With me this week, changing it up, Mitch Yates and John Alexander. Mitch, what's up, man? What's up, man? Hey, man. What's up, man? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just another day, ready to do this freaking podcast uh a little older now i'm what 33 Ugh. oh yeah you just had a birthday yesterday that's right yes sir well happy birthday mitch john what's going on with you uh yeah i'm enjoying doing these monday uh these monday recordings because if i keep picking the monday night game i'll never have to answer for my losses so <laughs> spoiler alert who i'm picking for the game i'm picking at halftime <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Uh, we'll keep that in mind as we move into <laughs> halftime. Uh, we're coming out of the week three slate today. Uh, still got the Monday night game, Dallas and the New York Giants going at it later tonight. So we won't have any takeaways from that game. But we do have the Thursday game and the Sunday games to talk about. So let's jump right in. And like Mitch did last week with Trey, um, I'm, I'm going to start it off with a few headlines that we'll just run through pretty quickly. And the first one we kind of talked about in the coin toss, and that was the Dolphins wide receivers. The Dolphins, they are 3-0, and and the offense looks like an absolute wagon. Like John was saying, both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell in the top three wide receivers in the NFL in terms of receiving yards. John, let's recap what we just talked about. Do you think that both receivers, Waddle and Tyreek Hill, should be considered top 10 dynasty receivers? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've got them ranked, uh, what is it, six and eight right now. And like that tier for me, five, six, seven, eight, Diggs, Waddle, Brown, Hill. It's like I could flip a coin on any of those guys. I think that they're all top 10 for sure. And what the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises of the season is that Tua can support two top 10 guys. So I, I hope it keeps going. They've been fun to watch. Mitch, I'll put you on the spot. Sure. Tyreek Hill or Drake London? Who would you rather have in Dynasty? Oh, man, that is a bit team dependent, isn't it? I don't want to cop out with that, but... Yeah, it is. Uh, it, I mean, Tyreek, Tyreek, let's go with Tyreek. Drake London's starting to look pretty good, but I think, you know, just like John said, if you have any of these wide receivers right now, you are winning and you are crushing it in fantasy right now. So London might be the future, but Tyreek is the now. Uh, yeah, I ask because I just moved up Drake London to my wide receiver 11 and Tyreek is my wide receiver 10. So he is knocking on the door. All right, Mitch, uh, the Broncos offense, we saw them play last night in the Sunday night game. The 49ers looked miserable, but so did the Broncos. And they've looked miserable on offense through three weeks, despite a relatively soft schedule. So, Mitch, are you panicking about Russell Wilson and what he's cooking over there in the Rockies? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys have seen the the meme where uh, Nathaniel Hackett's uh, 
having Russ cook with NyQuil and like chicken and a skillet or whatever that was. But yeah, I've seen a few memes. Oh man, but you know, I'm not panicking. I would suggest going to get Russ. He is quarterback 23 currently on the year, uh, like per game. He is putting up 12.97 points. I mean, it's disgusting. And you know, he's 33 years old. Nathaniel Hackett is hilariously the worst coach. Like, there's a discount in here somewhere, right? Like, it can't get much worse here. I think this offense can only go up. And uh, mm-hmm. I looked on Keep Trade Cut just to see, like, what would be the equivalent for Russ, like, seeing what the crowdsource would give me. And it said ETN would be the same value for Russ, and I like that. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a smash. Jahan Dotson, I'd trade him straight up for Russ, obviously, too. Smash. So. I think there's a way to go get him if, if whoever had him is not doing so hot. You know, that would be my advice for him. I like that. I didn't realize he had fallen that far in the in the keep trade cut ranks. Q, QB twelve. He was at QB ten this morning. So get that get it before it gets too low. You know, <laughs> <laughs> or let it keep falling. I guess uh, whatever you want. If you're selling <laughs> or buying, I guess you want it to fall if you're buying, right? Well, I, I agree with you, Mitch. I do think that Russ is eventually going to figure it out. I, I mean, I think he's still great, uh, obviously still adjusting, but it, it bears a little bit of patience, especially if you are rostering Russell Wilson. All right, John. So I saw this tweet from Rich Rebar this morning that I thought was really interesting. Alvin Kamara does not have a third down touch in the two games that he has played yet. On Sunday, Mark Ingram was the third down back. I think he out-snapped Kamara something like 10 to 4. So, John, are you worried about Alvin Kamara's role yet? Uh, Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, I've been worried. I think about this time last year, I was advocating uh, switching Eckler for Kamara. And at the time, it seemed like outlandish. But if you could get that deal now, I think you would jump all over that. Uh, I've got Alvin Kamara running back 17 in my ranks. Uh, as long as Jameis is back there, I, I don't see a real great path forward for Alvin Kamara. So maybe if they make a switch somehow at quarterback. But right now, I, I wouldn't count on Alvin Kamara as my starting running back. Yeah, strange. I mean, it's strange to see him not be the third down back, right? That was yeah. what was so great about Alvin Kamara is all the high value touches. Yeah. And if Ingram is going to be getting that goal line and receiving work, then I mean, he's what the hurt, hell? right? Like. There's, Kamara? There's, yeah, I think he's banged up or something. Like, yeah. there's got to be... Mark Ingram is not a third down back. Like, there's got to be a reason for that. And I know, like, the scheme just isn't there for Kamara anymore, and that's the problem. Like, yeah. he, he just doesn't... It's, it's not the Sean Payton offense anymore. And Breeze is gone. Jameis is there. Like, it, this is a different Kamara, and so he's Mitch, only are you getting selling? Older. Are you selling if you can get, you know, enough based on name value? I don't know, I because it might be like I I don't know it, his value is pretty low right now. I might be waiting for him to go off if he even does mm. again. Yeah, have a spike week, and I I think it's a pretty safe bet that Alvin Kamara will have spike weeks because he's Alvin Kamara. Um, so when he's healthy, he should play pretty well. But I, I think there's some there's something worth monitoring here at least. All right, Mitch, I got one more headline for you. Hollywood Brown, 17 targets and a 39% air yard share in week three. So Mitch, because you know you watch the games a lot more closely than I do, admittedly, how does Arizona's new wide receiver one look on tape? Well, 
man, what I notice most is just chemistry and lots of it. Like, how often does something like this work out where, like, a player requests a trade specifically to go play with his old QB and, like, the team honors the trade and gets the asking price and it all works out, like, the whole thing? That, oh, you mean, like, you mean, like, Devontae Adams? Is <laughs> <laughs> that all works out thing at the end? That's, I don't know, yeah, that's what yeah. this looks like, though. Like these yeah. two are on a different page than everybody else, and unfortunately for the Cardinals' offense, like uh, the rest of the offense looks broken. So, yeah. like you know, this is great. This is great for fantasy and for anybody that's invested in Hollywood, but. Like it's something something's got to give in this offense, though, because they can't just keep this going and keep losing games like Mitch. What has to give is Kyler Murray needs to fucking use his legs. Yeah, dude, bro. Like when they beat the Raiders, it was because Kyler Murray unlocked his own weapons that were attached to his knees. And that was (laughs) his legs. He didn't have a rush attempt yesterday. It's crazy absurd like the coach needs to like tell him yo like you got your big contract go put your body on the line now because you are our best weapon so i don't know i i it was so frustrating to watch that game like obviously i bet on the uh cardinals in our halftime segment last week uh so i thought that they would be able to cover four points at home Apparently, I was wrong because Kyler Murray doesn't know that he's like one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league. Slipped his mind. Yeah. You know, I don't think we've uttered the words Greg Dorch on this show, so oh, show yet. So the I'm... human, the human Dorch. <laughs> so now we can say we've uttered his name there. Check, yeah. Check the box. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what on a serious note, what Greg Dorch's role through three weeks tells me is there's a lot of volume available in that offense. Mm-hmm. And we need to monitor what happens when Rondell Moore comes back healthy and when DeAndre Hopkins gets reintegrated after his suspension. I think there's there's a lot of value to be had there. And while Dorch is like a fine waiver pickup and, you know, emergency flex play right now, especially in PPR, I think like down the second half of the season, it'll be really interesting how that target share shakes out in the desert. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, Tarek, I got one for you, man. Uh, okay. Jamal Williams. He, he's always been your favorite player. So, you know, whether he was ruining your day with Aaron Jones or eating DeAndre Swift's touchdowns. So I personally think he's a good contender by. How about you? I mean, I see where you're coming from. DeAndre Swift dealing with a shoulder injury right now. Uh, apparently, he doesn't have the same kind of uh, shoulder that Dalvin Cook has to where he can just like come right back in after popping it back in. But um so I, I can see how DeAndre Swift could miss some time. Jamal Williams could be like a pretty easy low-end RB1 over the next few weeks. And if DeAndre Swift continues to miss time, you know, we see that Jamal Williams gets a lot of volume in that backfield. I don't think Jamal Williams is that good. Like, I think coaches love him because he runs forward and he gets two yards when you need one. Um, and he can obviously find the end zone. I'm not going to like necessarily agree or disagree with you too hard here. What I will say is that if DeAndre Swift does miss time over the next few weeks, I will be making an offer for him, Swift, in every league that I do not have him in, whether I'm a contender or a rebuilder. I think DeAndre Swift is a top five talent uh, in the league right now. Oh, yes. As, yes. as a running back. Same old story, though, he, man. Just yeah. always a little dinged up. No, yeah, they, they Swift is better than Williams in every single category except for hip thrusting. Yeah, except for hip Some thrusting. Quality, yeah, that was a great 
quality hip thrusting man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. The, the, by all accounts, Jamal Williams, great dude. I mean, he seems like a cool guy. Look, but uh, the Lions yeah. are putting up points, though, man. And another I, wagon, another like, surprising wagon. Yep. And yep. and this guy's getting the goal line work, whether Swift's healthy or not. So like, it, you know, it's one of those. Is this is this James Conner 3.0? Is this James Conner of this year? I think it might be. And yeah, you know, it could be like Kamara Ingram from a few years ago. You know, I, I could see that as if Detroit continues to put up points, like they they could both have a lot of relevance. He's just such a Dan Campbell guy. What is the price though? When you say contender buy, what are you going to send out for Williams? Well, that's a third. The, that's the fun part. Yeah, definitely a third. I mean, okay. I think that's that's a worthy price, especially if he's just kind of on a middling roster that doesn't need him in the first place. Like, yeah, why not? Makes sense. Okay. 2023 third for Jamal Williams. That might not get it done right now, but if Swift comes back and like the price for Williams goes back down, I think you could probably get that done. So I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. I'm down. Jamal Williams, not very good though. All right. Uh, with that being said, let's kick off this first half uh, like we are doing most weeks during the regular season, each of us giving two takeaways for Dynasty uh, from the previous week's slate of games. Obviously, always trying to give you information that will help you gain an edge over your league mates. So let's kick it off with John. What is your first takeaway from week three? All right. Well, I'm going to say a name here. And the last time I said this name, like 10 months ago, there was an audible sigh on the recording. I'm not sure which one of you it came from, but it was definitely a sigh. Uh, no, I'm going to talk about Curtis Samuel today. It, it might have been a chorus. Of <laughs> it was more than one. I, mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and listen. It was an echo. Uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, currently wide receiver eight in PPR leagues. Um, and what I'm liking here is that he's doing it both in the air and on the ground. So, uh, he, he's got a 23% target share and uh, he's got two receiving touchdowns, eight rushing attempts for 50 yards. Even this week, in a week where Carson Wentz got his ass kicked by the Eagles, Curtis Samuel still managed a nice seven reception, 48 receiving yards. That's a nice flex play. Uh, I, and so maybe this Cur Curtis Samuel thing, it does deserve an audible side because I feel like I've been talking about him for years. But I feel like now is a great time to actually talk about it because the market isn't actually adjusting very quickly to what's going on here. Curtis Samuel is sitting at wide receiver 50, keep trade cut, but I think he's a much safer play right now than his counterpart, Terry McLaurin, as long as Wentz is behind center, just because of the style of play. Uh, every every game, Wentz has thrown it downfield maybe once or twice to McLaurin, and McLaurin's looking good in those situations, but it's just not happening enough. Wentz is he's the king of the the, the check down right now. He's throw, he's favoring Curtis Samuel, so I think he's the guy in this offense at least for the foreseeable future. So I've got him up at wide receiver thirty two in my ranks. Um, and let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago, twenty twenty, that he finished wide receiver twenty five. So. I think a finish in that range is likely the season. So let's call it a wide receiver three floor week to week with wide receiver two upside going forward. So I'm just I, I, what I'm advocating for here is go get him for a second. If you can get him for a second, I'd be happy with that. Um, if now there's another conversation to be ha had here, if Wentz does get benched for the rookie, uh, which, you know, doesn't seem so outlandish after last week. 
uh, we might be having a different conversation. So there's also a conversation here about what to do with Terry McLaurin. Uh, but right now, it looks like Carson Wentz is favoring Curtis Samuel. What do y'all think? Well, I, John, I, I like what you're saying, but I, I have my doubts. And it's it's really because of the emergence of Jahan Dotson. Dotson, yeah. So I none of us were, were too bullish on Dotson, but man, he's just, he's been impressive to say the least. So yep. Curtis Samuel definitely is doing the Curtis Samuel things, the, the things that you actually predicted he would do last year before he got hurt. And it, I, I just don't know if there's enough uh, to go around for all three of these guys. And now now when you say he's the safe play, I, I do agree with that. I, I do think that he's going to put up a higher floor than Terry McLaurin and Dotson. But I, I think that the the ceiling player that are the players that I I would rather have and I think beyond this year or just this moment right now I would still rather have Scary Terry at Price or um, Dotson now but wide receiver fifty I mean look if you can get him a two might be a little rich for me though I yeah. don't know Tarek yeah. what do you think I I think a a two if you have Curtis Samuel I'm I'm probably selling him for a second round pick as quickly as possible because then I want to use that second later on to buy a more premium asset. I think I agree with Mitch here that I prefer Terry McLaurin at his slightly more expensive, although I believe reduced cost than Curtis Samuel. Jahan Dotson has been impressive. He's put up some, you know, great highlight plays. He's got three touchdowns, but it's on a very limited amount of volume. Yeah. So while I have vaulted Jahan Dotson up, you know, close to my top 30 receivers in dynasty. I'm still a little bit hesitant there to like completely crown him. And, you know, to John's point, it, it is the volume play with Curtis Samuel and, and Mitch, you said this too, right? It's, it's eight receptions and anywhere from like two to five rushes per game yep. for Curtis Samuel. And that's like Cordero Patterson level usage. He's kind of like turning into that you know, multivalent weapon. And we know that Ron Rivera, you know, brought him in and paid him. So I think as long as he remains healthy, which has been the problem for Curtis Samuel sure. a lot, um, I, I think he's a pretty safe flex. But that being said, since we're playing Dynasty, I, I, I will want to sell him for a 23 second if I am able. Yeah. Two thirds. I think that's that's an OK price to play for Curtis. Yeah, uh, don't let's not forget that Brian Robinson is also going to come back, and Antonio mm. Gibson's probably going to change his role up to like. There's just going to be some changes here. And That's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if if, if if Brian Robinson comes back, takes some of that rushing work, Antonio Gibson maybe his pass volume goes up a little bit. Maybe that eats away from Curtis Samuel on both ends. I hadn't thought of that, Mitch. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking to get out, but John, I mean. Look, like there, there is validity to volume, right? Like he's a good play. He's a good start. It's kind of like uh, Tyler Boyd to me where like obviously I'd rather have the other two in that system. But I mean, I'm starting Tyler Boyd everywhere I have him and he's like, right. you know, crushing it. So he's a great, great flex play for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. I, it was only two years ago that Curtis Samuel had over a thousand scrimmage yards with right. the Panthers. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely fair to bring up. Uh, if you can get him for two thirds, I like it. A second, you know, depends on whether you, you know, like what John's saying or like what me and Mitch are saying. But you know, you choose choose your allegiances, if you will. <laughs> We're yeah. watching. 
We're taking notes. <laughs> exactly. All right, Mitch. Uh, let's move to you for your first dynasty takeaway from the week three slate. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, and and week three, I feel like is pivot week. It's like a great time to buy draft picks, sell players to the real contenders. If you're not a contender. And I'm going to use the Raiders as my example here. They're the only 0-3 team in the league. And luckily for them, they traded away their draft picks in an attempt to push their chips in during the <laughs> offseason, thinking that they were going to make a championship run. So uh, they thought they were contenders, but they were lying to themselves. And so I thought this was a great takeaway because I think it's time to look at yourself in the mirror and ask if you're the Raiders of your league this year. <laughs> And you know what? Like, it's okay if you are. It happens. I am definitely the Raiders of one of my leagues. So unlike the Raiders, though, I, I who are certainly going to double down and, like, lean all the way in, like, we're not going to do that here. So the example here, I think that you should trade away Devontae Adams or, if you're contending, buy Devontae Adams. So he only belongs on a roster that will be competing this year or next year. He's 29 years old. If his manager right now is 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh I think you need to be in their inbox because this is one of those rare win-win opportunities. Because, like, unlike, I'm sorry, unlike the other wide receivers in the top 12 in Dynasty, Tay is old, and I'm not using Cooper Cup in this example because he's crushing, but, you know, he's still... The man, Devontae Adams, is still the man, so the buyer is also going to feel great if he's buying. So uh, the Raiders traded a lot for him. They're bathing in that sunk cost fallacy, and Carr is going to feed him until he bursts. So he's getting 11 targets a game, and that's over the first three weeks. He's got a touchdown each week. There's no reason to feel hesitant as the buyer. So, And if you're selling, I think this is a great chance to get younger, cash out for one of the uh, one of those rookie wide receivers that's hitting, like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Olave, and see if you can get a pick attached to that too, like a second. Oh, I like that. I love that. If I think honestly, even if you're a contender, I would take London, Wilson, Olave, I, any of those guys plus a second. I would take that in any team build, just because I'm so high on the on those 2022 receivers. But I really like this Devontae Adams kind of as like an example of pivot season in your league. Um, just to kind of go back to that one, I agree with you, Mitch. I think Devontae Adams is still going to eat. I think he's a great contender by. But on the pivot point, uh, as like a case study, John and I, we co-manage a team in TLG3, which is a 14-team league. It's one of our show leagues. And me and John just sold basically all of our picks in order to kind of be the team to beat in that league, right? It's a 14-team league, so bigger payouts. That means it's like harder to gain an edge because the field is bigger. And we immediately, after trading away all our picks, built this great starting roster. We laid a wet fart in week three. Like <laughs> yeah, we, we were dominating through two weeks. Week three was a weird week all across the league. Yeah. So while that hurt, while that sucked to like trade away a bunch of draft capital and then lay a wet fart in week three, know thyself. Like me and John still know that we are mm -hmm. like peak level contenders in that league. So the other side of this coin is like, even if you put up like a flat week, don't panic and, and you know, liquidate all your assets because <laughs> you're worried about that one week. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Also commiserate with John a little bit. That was that was a rough week, man. Yeah, it was it was real fun trading though, wasn't it? 
Oh, it gosh. was. It was. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. And the other side of the coin here is uh, if you're sitting at one and two, zero oh and three, like uh, Marl said there, uh, you know, draft capital is king. So if you, uh, whatever you can get, like I, 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 right now is like prime time to get the 20. You're not getting a 23 first right now. Nobody's giving you a 23 first, but now is the prime time to get those 24 first. Price is only going up on those. Uh, and they might seem real distant now, but when you're sitting on four or five of them, they're going to look real good in about 18 months. <laughs> John, I don't agree. I, I, I think I think people are trading 23 first. I think you guys just netted a 23 first for, or just traded one away, I apologize, for DJ Moore. So No, Dalvin Cook. We traded a right. 24 yeah. first for DJ Moore and a 23 first for Dalvin Cook. So you can see why we had such a bad week three. Uh, <laughs> DJ Moore putting up functionally an egg and Dalvin Cook uh, dislocating his shoulder again. I, I'm sorry. But the point is that you're a little late to the bus if you're trying to get 23 first right now. You're going to have a lot easier time getting the 24 first. That's the only clarification I was going to make there. You'll have an easier time getting a 24 first, but uh, Mitch, let me let me ask you. Mm. If you're a contender that still has a 2023 first, are you paying it for Devontae Adams? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's yeah. definitely like I, if I think you, you can get that done. Right, if you are contending truthfully, knowing thyself, if you're like if you're in it, this and the manager does not have a strong record like a 1 and 2 or an 0 and 3. Like I was saying, this is a win-win because chances are they're looking to pack it in and a first is gold. A 2023 first is gold right now. So make this deal. It's really interesting, like just to take a step back and and kind of tracking the 2023 class as, as we watch football on Saturdays, the value of that class is decaying slightly because of some of the struggles of both the running backs and the receivers early on in the season monitor that because my assumption is that's going to level out and 2023 mm -hmm. is still 2023 so on the other side like think about buying firsts you know if you're knowing thyself and you know you're you, you don't have a chance this year all right uh let's move on to my first takeaway from the week three slate and it's really from the first three weeks and it is jalen hurts jalen motherfucking hurts playing out of his mind and I'm going to reserve talking about the pass catchers for next week because we're going to review like the things that we're wor watching out for in the first month of the season uh, that we, you know, kind of called before week one. And I I'm watching the pass catchers and the target distribution there. But let's take a moment after week three and appreciate what Jalen Hurts has accomplished through three weeks. Over 67% completion percentage, a nutty 9.3 yards per attempt. Four touchdowns, one interception. He's got three touchdowns on the ground. He's also giving you over 50 yards per game on the ground. So that's, you know, the raw stats. I went back, I pulled a Mitch, and I watched every snap of Jalen Hurts through the first three weeks. And he just looks like in control, man. He's throwing accurately in the pocket and on the move. Like there are a couple throws here and there. He was behind AJ Brown on a throw this past week, but. I think he's making the simple throws look simple, and he's also pushing the ball down the field consistently. And what I noticed watching the tape is that even his incompletions on aggressive downfield throws, they've looked like really sensible throws. Like he's putting the ball mm -hmm. in a place where only Devontae Smith can get it, where only A.J. Brown or Zach Pascal can get it. 
And that is what I think is different from the first two years, just the sheer awareness and accuracy of both his completions and his incompletions. And I will say that I wasn't here last week for the episode, but that game he played against Minnesota was the best game of his career by far. So to me, moving on, you know, obviously he's played really well. What that means to me is I think he is firmly quarterback five. And if he continues along this trajectory and we progress into 2022, I think we have to consider him tier one with Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Lamar. That is how good he's looked. He has looked like a tier one quarterback. He's looked like a more athletic, faster Dak Prescott, you know, from his first few years. Um, So, you know, me... I think you can trade Joe Burrow for him straight up. I think keep trade cut now has hurts above Burrow, but there's a lot of Burrow truthers out there. Mm -hmm. I think if you have Joe Burrow in a lot of leagues, you can get um, Jalen Hurts for him and maybe a morsel on top. But Jalen Hurts is the man. I'm loving it. Tarek, I'm so right here with you. Like, Like you mentioned on the tape about him pushing the ball downfield, he just, he looks in control and like he he is the engine that is keeping that offense going now and it's just it's fun to watch man he's so much better than uh, we thought he would be i guess but i do believe yeah. you were saying that he was potentially the quarterback one overall this year and i want to know like man like if only we were so bold earlier in the year because you know we were right there thinking that he could do it but now that he's doing it i mean yeah, I, I think in redraft, it's like heading into the season, I was very aggressive on Jalen Hurts as a contending dynasty player or as a redraft player. Like, I thought he was going to be a great fantasy asset in 2022. I didn't think he was going to become an elite quarterback like he has been through the first three games. That's the throwing that's incredible, man. Yeah, inside and outside of the pocket, like... He's controlling the pocket, and then when he rolls out and he throws on the run, they're fucking lasers. They're darts. It's it's awesome, man. Yeah, I think uh, if we just revisit the narrative from before the season, the idea was the Eagles have these two firsts, and they're going to lo- roll with Hurts. They're going to see how it goes, and they're going to draft a QB. Well, now it's pretty clear here's, he's the franchise QB. So I think all those questions are going to be mm-hmm. very quickly Every dynasty manager is going to realize that. So if you're going to make, try to make a move for Jalen Hurts, now is the time. Because in a week or two, it's going to be too late because that's when er- everyone's going to know Jalen Hurts is the guy by then. Uh, so, like, what are we talking about? Like, if you're if you're trying to make this move right now to get Jalen Hurts on your roster, two firsts and, like, another quarterback, like Mac Jones or something? Like, what, what are we going to do to make this happen today? What about Lawrence in a first? Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence has played really he's, well yesterday against the Chargers. He's so at, it's he's at sixty nine percent completion percentage. So it's even better than Hurts. Like I, w- I'm not moving Trevor Lawrence for anything right now. Not till I see that one through. But I, I like where you're Tarek, at. Would you? I would not do Trevor Lawrence in a first right now. I, I, I think that's aggressive, and I would love to see it happen. Because Trevor Lawrence is coming off, you know, a handful of strong performances, I would maybe try to do like Trevor Lawrence in two seconds or something like that for Hurts. Uh, I would get a little cute there trying to trying to make that deal happen. Uh, but what about you, Mitch? Would you do Trevor Lawrence in a first for Jalen Hurts? I'm thinking about it. I love it. I love it. 
I Hell no, it. I wouldn't. I'm thinking about <laughs> Fuck it. that. Hey, we co-manage a team where we have Trevor Lawrence, Mitch, so we may need to talk about We're thinking about offer it. that we can make. I like it. All right, mic check. It is halftime. Why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right, so coming off a, a rough week three all around, we were one in three last week. Wolf. And of course, the, the one is the guy that didn't show up. Uh, he did so well. Uh, he gets the Trey week off. Did. That's what you yeah, win, he, right? He took the week off. Um, so shout out to Trey for being the lone guy who got his pick right last week. Who did Trey pick? Help me out. Was it the Vikings? No, it wasn't the Vikings. It was. Uh, it was. It was the Lions. It was the other the side Lions. of that Vikings game. He yeah. picked Lions plus seven, and the Lions That's only it. lost by four. Right. So shout out to Trey. But resetting the dial. Gonna hit the parlay this week, Mitch. Who is your pick against the spread for week four? Oh, I hate this. All right, I'm going uh, I'm going Atlanta plus two and a half. Home diggity dogs against the fighting Jacoby Brisquets. Uh, Atlanta looks pretty good, man. Uh, they, they look pretty good on offense. Uh, honestly, the Browns look pretty decent as well. So I don't know what I'm doing. I'm picking like shit. Go Falcons. Hey, <laughs> I mean, home dogs, right? This is these home dogs are versus both... brown dogs or away dogs or <laughs> exactly home dogs versus the brown dog pound. I mean, I think both of these teams are below mediocre. Um, so if you're going to get two and a half points at home, I like it, man. Uh, John, who is your pick for week four? Well, as I alluded to, I'm picking the Monday night game, so I won't have to answer to this in the next recording. Uh, I'm, I've got the Rams plus two and a half over san francisco uh it's technically a road game i don't, I don't know i guess la is kind of far away from san francisco but uh i'm not sure what to say here other than the rams are better than the fighting jimmy g's like mm. i i, I want to call their offense that i watched yesterday impotent but i know what he does with porn stars so i, I can't use that <laughs> word uh i just think the rams the Rams are Super Bowl contenders. Well, we don't know unless, you know, he's impregnated one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I, I assume with a face like that, if you do it enough, like, it's going to happen, right? Uh, anyway, the Rams, <laughs> plus two and a half. <laughs> plus two and a half at San Francisco. Hey, I picked against the Rams last week, and I've got egg on my face. So, all right, Trey, he's got Miami on the road Thursday night, plus three and a half in Cincinnati. So... We talked about it on the top of the show, 3-0 and Dolphins and their underdogs against Cincinnati, who's put up some stinkers uh, the last few weeks. We did see Joe Burrow have a bounce back game uh, this past week in week three, but the Dolphins are not the Jets, man. That's a, that's a different team. So um, I like the pick by Trey. And then my pick, I'm going Vikings minus two and a half. They're technically on the road, but they're in London. So everybody's on the road. Four weeks in a row that the Vikings are in a halftime slate. Um, by the way, they're playing the Saints. I'm sorry, I didn't mention that. I think Justin Jefferson, after a down week, I think he brings the London fog uh, to that stadium. He's going to cloud Jameis Winston's newly repaired LASIK vision from the other sideline. I just think like the Vikings are a good team. You know, they pulled out a, a gritty win against Detroit last week. I think they keep it going. Uh, and 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 beat the Saints by a field goal in London. Yeah, didn't the Saints just lose to the Panthers? Jesus. Did they lose? Did the Panthers win? Yeah, dude. Yeah, you can see how much I watch the games. All right, so, um, <laughs> yeah. 
And, and, you know, I have Justin Jefferson on a lot of teams. So a lot of this is just me manifesting a bounce back week for there Justin you Jefferson. Go. 200 yards and two touchdowns. Let's In London. All right. Let's kick off this second half. And John, we are going back to you for your second takeaway from week three. Uh, I'm going to steal Trey's thunder a little bit here because one of his things he was looking out for was the Denver offense in general. Uh, I just want to do a quick check in on the battle of Jerry Judy versus Cortland Sutton. And right now, I think uh, you've got to you got to give you got to tip your hat to Sutton so far. Uh, There's been one combined touchdown between the two of them, which Judy had in week one. But it's going to be really difficult to rely on Jerry Judy in this Denver offense going forward. Uh, Like I said, he popped off in week one, got injured week two and disappeared against San Fran. Cortland Sutton's looked pretty okay. He's been more steady week to week, and he's been consistently getting twice as many targets as Jerry Judy. But uh, right now, Jerry Judy looks like he's got the higher ceiling, but the floor is much, much lower. So Sutton's a top 20 wide receiver in PPR as of week three. And I think the market has him ranked correctly. He's right around wide receiver 23 in keep trade cut. And uh, where's Judy, by the way? uh, 31, 31. Yeah. So I think Sutton's probably a reliable wide wide receiver too going forward in this offense. But that, that ranking we just talked about, a wide receiver 31 for Judy, it seems pretty optimistic. He's a big boom-bust play right now. Um, it, it, just my read. Trey will probably talk about this more next week. Uh, there's there's only going to be one wide receiving option that's going to be relevant in fantasy in this offense. It's just, it's just a bad offense. So it's probably just better to steer clear of buying into either Sutton or Judy right now or any of these assets, in my opinion. Um even though Sutton's been pretty steady, I I just I don't know I don't I don't have a lot of faith in Nathaniel Hackett or in general. And Mitch kind of touched on that at the beginning of the show here. So Sutton, Sutton's the guy in that offense, and th- these are these are the new Baltimore Ravens for me. One wide receiving <laughs> option. That's it. Wow. Yeah, I I don't know, John. I I think kind of the opposite here. I I really do think that this offense is at rock bottom currently and that this is just a buy low opportunity for pretty much everybody involved that yeah maybe that you like i mean i i know that we've hashed this out like the sutton versus judy thing but like you know if you're a fan of either of these guys like i believe that there is a discount sutton less because wide receiver 22 is on keep trade cut that is pretty uh, probably about right, you know, but I mean, he's also getting mad volume. He's getting like yeah, 10 targets volume. a game. And right. like, despite the offense looking like shit, he's still doing consistently well. So I think Sutton and Russell Wilson are going to get better. And Javante Williams, too, man, like that guy's a beast. So like, it's going to take a while that like, I said in the earlier portion, like the coach sucks, but this is an entirely new situation for a lot of these guys here. And like it, it takes time sometimes. Yeah, I don't think I'm buying either Judy or Sutton. And I want to reserve some space for Trey to talk about this next week. Yeah, uh, I'm below market on both of them. But I will say, yes, like Cortland Sutton is the winner. I think he's just the better player. Like, I think. Cortland Sutton has done more with his opportunities throughout his career than Judy has. I think Judy's a good player, but also what I'm seeing bear out is Russell Wilson not playing great so far, 
but he does trust Cortland Sutton. Like he will throw it up toward Cortland Sutton down the field. And that's what you want, right? Judy, it's going to be a little bit more touch and go. I think Sutton's going to get the offense, uh, the, the volume moving forward. And I think Sutton's just better, uh, than Judy. So definitely on that side, but I don't think I'm buying either one. I am buying Russell Wilson, not buying the other two just because I'm below market. And Trey will hit the tight ends and the running backs next week. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) All right, Mitch, let's move on to your second insight from week three. All right. I'm excited about this one, guys. It's Khalil Herbert's season, baby. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How about that? How about that week uh, performance, man? He was running back number one overall last week. And he's actually running back number seven in fantasy right now after three weeks. Yeah, at least. Yeah, his price went up, but, uh, you know, I I still think that you should go get a price check in your league because not everyone was like Team TLG here where uh, we were advising you to go get him all offseason. Some people may think this is a great sell high opportunity because he came in kind of off the bench and we know that Montgomery is going to come back. So um, I think that I've definitely seen what I needed to see. I mean, on tape, he's got power. He's got an incredible cut and just great balance. Like, at the very least, I believe he's earned a bigger part of that offense with or without a healthy Monty. Keep trade cut still has him at running back 39. I'm sure that's going to change, and I'm sure that's not what people are thinking if they have him. But again, again, like, you know, the the manager may not be as big as them as we are. So I think that it's definitely worth a look. If you can buy him for a second, do it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, I wanted to talk about what the most we'd be willing to spend. Like, would we be willing to spend two seconds on him? Uh, would we be willing to do a second and a third? I think I'm, I'm down, but I wanted to know what you guys would do. I wouldn't do two 2023 seconds for Khalil Herbert just because I don't think you have to, even as he's rising up the ranks. I would rather do something like Damian Harris or maybe like a Ramondre Stevenson and get like a third back for Khalil Herbert. You know, I do think he's a buy. I would maybe like do Chase Edmonds and like a a, a throw in like Ashton Dooley Mm -hmm. or Greg Dorch or something like that to get Khalil Herbert on my team. Just looking at pure draft capital, like a second and a third, you could talk me into it. Definitely not two seconds. I would rather do like a player that the market is higher on than I am. So somebody like Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson or Rashad White or something like that, who's falling for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, value aside, Khalil Herbert is just clearly the best running back in Chicago. I mean, he's so good. Um, The market is starting to catch up. Uh, It took a running back one overall game for it to happen. But yeah, I, I mean, what a what a fun, fun player. Oh, yeah. And I, I want to throw one thing in here before I toss it to John here. Like, Justin Fields does not look great. And I can't wait to talk about my reputation quarterback in the future episodes here. But so far, the Bears are going to have to lean on that running game. So uh, I, I really don't think this is a an anomaly. I think this is the beginning of something fun. John, what do you think? I, I was Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say that. Cole Komet, Darnell Mo- Mooney... Uh, Fields, they've all been disappointing this year, and the only bright spot on that offense has been Khalil Herbert, even coming off the bench. 
So I think that the coaching staff is competent and they have seen that and they're going to ride him to the end. Uh, it's pretty clear he's better than David Montgomery, even when Montgomery's healthy. So if it's two seconds, like that's a that's a gamble worth making. Like if you can get the best player on the Bears offense, who's going to get that volume? Sure. Why not? Because I've seen enough. And if the coaches are smart, they've seen enough, too. You might be able to pull this off. Uh, you might be able to trade Montgomery for Khalil Herbert. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm serious. You might be able to do it, man. Somebody out there might not believe in it. Do it. I, I don't know if I would do that. I like, would. I think I would do it. I, that's that's aggressive. I love it. I mean, I still have David Montgomery ranked ahead of Khalil Herbert, but I think it's time to change that, man. He's obviously taken a step up in terms of like getting trust from that new coaching staff. Yep. And I just don't see a way, even when David Montgomery comes back, that he doesn't eat into that workload even more, right? Well, not only that, though, he's shown this last year, too, when Monty went down. And yeah. and Tristan Ebner's non-existent, so I, I think the, the proof is all I need. And I can truly believe that by the end of this year, that Khalil Herbert will be ranked higher than Montgomery in almost everybody's rankings because Monty will be a free agent, right? And likely, I'd say they that the coaching staff wants Khalil to take over anyway. So, you know what? I think you should just, you know, do it now. Get ahead Be of the market. Just Be aggressive. Okay. He's the best player on that offense. I, I mean, man, I, I thought I was the Khalil Herbert guy. So, uh, love, love to hear it's, the aggression. It's on a that. low I bar. Mean, the rest of the team sucks. <laughs> can't wait to talk about him later. I just really can't <laughs> wait to talk about Justin fucking Fields, man. <laughs> Oh, man, that got me so amped, Khalil Herbert. And I'm going to keep the party going because while week three, especially compared to week two, was a little bit of a, a wet fart, I'm, I'm keeping the positivity here because the guy I want to talk about for my second takeaway out of week three is Chris Olave. And Mitch mentioned him earlier. Chris Olave, I think he has an argument through three weeks to be the wide receiver one from the 2022 receiver class. I'm not making that argument personally because I don't think that we should completely like trash our priors and and the rest of the first round receivers have been very good. But Ola and that includes Traylon Burks. I think he has played really well. Um, we can talk about that at some other time. Yeah. But Olave has a lot going for him, you know, in comparison to the other ones. And I think he's firmly in the tier with Garrett Wilson, with Drake London. 26% target share. Over 30% in weeks two and three, 13 targets in each of week two and week three. He's leading the NFL, not rookies, the NFL in air yards. Jameis is looking for him downfield. He's doing the Jameis thing and he's peppering him. And what was a lot of unrealized air yards in week two on 13 targets became a true breakout game in week three with 147 yards. So Olave and to a lesser extent, Jahan Dotson, who we mentioned earlier, I think both of them were a little bit victims of circumstance in terms of their college profile. If 2020 didn't happen with the shortened Big Ten season, I think both of those guys probably would have early declared and we would have recognized their talent more readily from an analytic perspective. I think from a tape perspective, they both had a lot going for them. I've moved Chris Olave up to wide receiver 16. He's right there next to the other premier rookie receivers, and he's knocking on the door of wide receiver one status, like right behind Michael Pittman and Debo Samuel. I wouldn't be mad at anybody for preferring Olave to those guys. 
I think you can safely pay a 2023 first for any of those rookie receivers, including Chris Olave. Yeah, I think Chris Olave is, is just, you know, his route running, he, he is sweetness. Like that's that what his nickname was. He's he's smooth and like he might be. He might be that best rookie that we have. And this rookie class is so good. So as from like a floor perspective here, I, I think that he's gonna just set the bar at consistent targets and consistent points per game. And the ceiling, I, I don't know if we know what that is yet because it, he's out there balling right next to uh, Michael Thomas and like commanding targets. So um, if he is the only guy as opposed to sharing it with the bona fide number one like Mike Thomas, I mean, I, I really don't know what the, the ceiling is for this guy. He He might be the absolute truth. Yeah, I mean, as the 11th overall pick who's doing this through three weeks, I think the ceiling is like set it and forget it wide receiver one every week. Uh, the way way you feel about Olave is the way I feel about Garrett Wilson right now. That, that's a conversation for another day. Hey, I feel that way about Garrett Wilson too, man. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk about that in relation to Elijah Moore. <laughs> the, so. the, the, uh, the only two rookies I would take above Olave right now in terms of wide receivers are Garrett Wilson and Drake London. And it's it's pretty close. Um if I didn't feel like those two guys were just like reaching towards the moon, then Chris Olave would easily in, in another. Well, I'd, I'd like to say in another year, Chris Olave would be far and away wide receiver one. But we've been getting so many of these great classes lately. We can't really say that here. Here's my only question. And I don't I don't know the answer to it. Uh, are we concerned at all that he's turning into a role player? And what I mean by that is Michael Thomas has the three touchdowns. Chris Olave doesn't. So is is that an area of concern that he's got this incredible uh, 15 yards per reception, Michael Thomas slightly shorter at 10 in the red zone is as Olave just because I remember at Ohio State, like he was a red zone guy. That was his thing. It was the route running. He could just find the open space in the red zone. And I haven't watched enough games to know why that hasn't been the case yet. Is that just Jameis just chucking the ball or does does anybody know? I think that it's just his power, Chris Olave, is just excellent at doing what the coaches need him to do to get schemed open. And I'm not worried about his touchdowns. I, I think that they will scheme him touchdowns. And just, you know, Mike Thomas is still Mike Thomas, man. Like, and he's good in the end zone. He's going to be the first look. So that's that's just probably what's going on. But again, yes. like, I mean, he can do... They, he was the most pro ready. I mean, that's what this means. If, if is you're that, getting the work down the field yeah. and you're getting the targets, yeah. the touchdowns will come. And he does, right? he's I, getting more targets than Michael Thomas. We should mention. I, I th I'm I'm very confident that with a 25 plus percent target share, Chris Olave is going to score touchdowns. You know, maybe Michael Thomas has a higher like red zone target share for sure. I mean, Michael Thomas is still very good, and he's that dude. But Michael Thomas is also 29, right? So. Chris Olave, he's young, he's getting these targets, he's getting them down the field, like the numbers popping off the charts, and he looks really good, he's extremely fast. So it's not, t long story short, I'm not concerned, John. Okay. What, do you think you could trade George Pickens in like a, I don't know, two? Get you some Olave? I doubt you can do that, See but... See that hype train still burning? I don't think you could have even done that during rookie season. But did you see yeah. that catch? That, that catch by Pickens was very fun. Um, Got to ride the hype. 
I don't think you can. If you can, then 100% do it. I have made an offer for for Olave in every single one of my leagues, and I'm getting a lot of rejections. So, um, but hey, I've, I'm, I'm committed. I'm gonna buy some Olave because I think he's very fucking good. I think this entire receiver class is very good. Mitch, mm. before we close out, putting you on the spot. Oh, give me your top five receivers from the 2022 class rank them okay yeah that's i can do this no problem at all garrett wilson number one drake london number two olave number three Traylon number four and jahan dotson number five almost identical to mine so close you have Dotson ahead of Burks, don't the, you? The only I got Garrett Wilson, London, uh, Olave, Burks, and then uh, Jahan Dotson, and it was hard to rank those guys. I've got them all in the top thirty-six, but I like all five of those guys. I think they've all been great. Wait, Mitch, that was yours, right? Y'all had the same time. I thought five. you had. I thought you had uh, London first. Nope, I have Wilson first. And when I said you almost had the exact same <laughs> as me, what I meant was it was so I, close to being mine that it was mine. There it is. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going different. Drake London, number one. Okay. Garrett Wilson, number two. Chris Olave, number three. Traylon Burks, number four. So those are my top four. I think it's pr- kind of a tear break between Olave and Burks, but I think Burks is becoming a buy. I think he's playing really well, like mm-hmm. I said. At number five, I'm going to stick with George Pickens over Jahan Dotson at this point. I think George Pickens is really good. I think he's starting to see the targets, and I think... Like him and Dotson, I, I I need to look at the numbers, but I don't think their target numbers are that different. So Jahan Dotson's just gotten the touchdowns. I think it's a matter of time before Pickens, you know, completely takes over that wide receiver two role from Chase Claypool in that yeah. offense and Pat Fryermuth. So it's very close, but I'll go Pickens over Dotson. I like that. Yeah, I know. That's a good call. I know we're running late here, but I, you know, I wanted to say I admit defeat on Jahan Dotson. I. I was wrong. I didn't think that his skills would translate the way that they have to the NFL. I thought that he was just too small to to do what he was doing. And, you know, he's he, he does a lot of jump balls and circus catches almost. But uh, he's got amazing hands. And I, I think that he's just very good. And, yeah, I, I was wrong about him, but I'm excited about his future. You all want to hear something crazy? The best one maybe hasn't even played yet in Jamison Williams. Ooh, so we'll see. That's another guy <laughs> that I've been making a lot of offers for. And, yeah. And to the JMO manager's credit uh, across my leagues, yeah. they're holding firm. <laughs> I think Jamison Williams, we talked, I think you and Trey Mitch talked about this last week with the Amon Ross St. Brown, mm-hmm. who finally, even though he still got a lot of targets, kind of came off of his touchdown streak. There's a lot of volume there uh, in Detroit for an outside receiver. Like, yeah. DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds. Ain't it? Jamison Williams is going to eat their lunch, and it's going to be JMO and the Sun God. I'm really excited. This might be the Dolphins right. 2.0 with Waddle and Reek, man. Like this is like that. That may could... be a little aggressive, but <laughs> but hey, I like the call. Hey, you you put a good quarterback there. We might have it. Let me just say, I have a good amount of Rashad Bateman in my leagues. I have been offering Rashad Bateman for Jamison Williams in a second. I like that. Yes, I've gotten a few rejections, but I think in a lot of leagues, that's something that you can get done. So we'll end the show on Jamison Williams. Sneaky buy right now. There you go. Except 